Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. We are in the series, Lights, Lights, and honored to be able to, on this week number three, communicate what God has put in my heart for this community. That said, I want to read three passages of scripture up front, two from the Old Testament, one from the book of Matthew. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The second passage from the Old Testament is Micah chapter 5, beginning in verse 2. But you... Bethlehem Ephrath, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. And then from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Now after Jesus was born... In Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. I want to teach a message today titled, Is the Light Turned On? Is the Light Turned On? Let me pray. Father of lights, we thank you that unto us has been given the light of the world. That the Son has been given and through Him understanding light has been given. And we ask Holy Spirit that you would enlighten our hearts and our minds, that we would know what is the hope of our calling, the greatness of your power at work in us who believe, and your glorious riches in us the saints. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. Make much of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. You continue to build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. In Jesus' name, amen. So did you notice if the light was on this morning? If the light on the sign was turned on when you drove past it this morning? Now some of you maybe came a different way, but there are many of you that drove past it this morning. You say, Pastor Chad, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the Krispy Kreme donut sign. The Krispy Kreme donut sign. Because if the light is on, there's fresh donuts, hot and ready. How do you know when there are fresh donuts? When the light is on. What's cool about our Krispy Kreme, I say our, you know, like our churches because it's on our highway in our city, but our Krispy Kreme, what's cool about ours is they not only have a, a sign there on the curb that they turn the light on when they're hot and ready now. Then they have a light hanging in the window. But what I really like is they have a billboard above the entire store that has a light on. I mean, if you miss one of those lights, then you're the issue, not, not the lights. Well, when, we, when I came in this morning, all three lights were on. It was a trifecta. I said, oh, we got to stop because they're hot and ready now. I'm not going to eat these six in front of you, but they were hot and ready. Let me say it this way. How do you know 
when there's fresh bread in the house. When the light is on. Notice our first of our main passage, Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then Micah 5, 2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Notice, you have these Old Testament prophetic scriptures that a child will be born, and he will be born in Bethlehem. It was a prophetic promise. It was a promise because God said, I'm going to do something. But it was also a prophecy because there was a matter of divine timing foretold regarding the promise. It wasn't just a promise, it was a prophetic promise, meaning there was a set time that God had for the promise to be fulfilled and come to pass. If you're not familiar with the story of of Scripture or these prophecies or the town of Bethlehem, let me give you some backstory. Bethlehem was a city in Judah and it was the birthplace of a person in Scripture called David. Now, if you're not familiar with this David that I'm going to speak about for a moment, David was the son of a man named Jesse. And David also became king of Israel. David also was the father of Solomon, who was the wisest man ever to live other than the Son of God upon the earth, who God used to build the temple according to the plans given by the Holy Spirit. In fact, speaking of David, Scripture says in 1 Samuel 17 and 12, Now David was the son of that Ephrati of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons. And the man was old. I could imagine if he had eight sons. Advanced in years in the days of Saul. Notice it says David was the son of that Ephrati of Bethlehem, Judah. Reminds me of the other passage, our main passage, Micah 5, 2, where it said, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrah. See, listen, Bethlehem was Ephrath before it was Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the city of David, was known and called Ephrath before it was ever called Bethlehem. You say, why is that important? Well, listen. Ephrath means ash heap, place of fruitfulness. Things that make you go, hmm. Ash heap, place of fruitfulness. The first place Ephrath is ever mentioned in Scripture is Genesis 35, 16. And in Genesis 35, 16, the text says, as they, they being Jacob and Rachel and their family, and they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. Right before this journey, Jacob has an encounter with the living God, Almighty, the Lord Almighty at Bethel. And there in this encounter, the Lord reminds Jacob that he's going to bless him. He's going to empower him to be fruitful and to multiply. And right after this encounter, Jacob and his wife, Rachel, and their family get up and they leave Bethel after Jacob having this encounter. And on their journey, Rachel was carrying a child and she's pregnant and she goes into what Scripture calls hard labor. Hard labor. She gives birth to Benjamin. And yet after giving birth to Benjamin, unfortunately she dies due to the hard labor. Here you have the complexity, the tension of the life you and I know. A life that Scripture is familiar with, is honest about. You have in one 
scene, in one moment, death and fruitfulness. Rachel is dying and yet she is just giving fruit the fulfillment of a promise that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would multiply their descendants. Benjamin was the twelfth son born to Jacob. The twelfth son. He was the fulfillment of multiplication. And yet right here in the fulfillment of the prophecy that God gave scores of years before to Abraham and then to his son Isaac and then on to Jacob that he would bless them and they would be fruitful and they would become a mighty nation. Yet you have Rachel in this process of the prophetic promise and fulfillment of multiplication and fruitfulness also dying. Listen, this is God's gospel. That here in this place of an ash heap, here in this burial place, it is also a place of fruitfulness. It is a place where prophetic promises are fulfilled. This is God's gospel. That God takes people from the ash heaps and He sits them as princesses and princes. That out of death comes multiplication. That God takes the ashes left from a circumstance and He brings fruitfulness out of it. This is the gospel of God. This is why Scripture speaks of this often. In fact, in 1 Samuel 2.8, it says, God raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princesses, princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and He has set the world upon them. Just like the psalmist says in Psalms 113 and 5, Who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. He raises the poor out of the dust and he lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may seat him with princes with the princes of his people. He grants the barren womb a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. Just like Isaiah 61.3 where it says that God will give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. This is the gospel of God. To take people from ash heaps, to take people from a place of brokenness, to take people from a place of sorrow, and to raise them, to sit them in Christ in heavenly places, in places of fulfillment, in places of joy and peace that surpasses all understanding. And this is what he did with a man named David. See, David was born in an ash heap. David was born in a place that was called Ephrat. David was born in an ash heap, but it was a slash place of fruitfulness. How can a place be both an ash heap and a place of fruitfulness? Because Ephrat without the promise of God equals an ash heap. But Ephrat with the promise of God equals a place of fruitfulness. Did you know you can have two people born in the same place? You can have two people in the same circumstance. You can have two people in the same season of life. And for one, it's an ash heap. But for another, it's a place of fruitfulness. Why? Because the gospel of God makes the difference. Jesus Christ makes the difference. The promise of God makes the difference. And I don't know about you, but maybe you feel like your place is just an ash heap. And I'm telling you, but today it can turn from an ash heap into a place of fruitfulness with the promise of God with one word from the Holy Spirit with one light of God fulfilling your heart hallelujah and this David who was born in an ash heap slash place of fruitfulness was also the David who was promised the following in Psalms 132.11 the Lord has sworn in truth to David he will not turn from it I will set upon your throne the fruit of your body. God promised David that from his lineage would come 
the true king. That from his lineage would come the true bright and morning star. Paul writing to the young minister Timothy, his spiritual son in the New Testament in 2 Timothy 2.8 speaks about this as well. He says, remember that Jesus Christ, Jesus the anointed one, Jesus who had the light upon him of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Notice Paul says, resurrection out of death, just like beauty out of ashes. This is the gospel of God. That victory out of a willingness to let the powers at be seem to defeat you. There's the cross, but then there's vindication. There's the cross, but then there's resurrection. There's what looks to be an ash heap, but then God turns it into a place of fruitfulness. Hallelujah. And so here, Ephrath means ash heap, place of fruitfulness. Never forget that Ephrath, without the promise of God, just equals an ash heap. But Ephrath with the promise of God equals a place of fruitfulness. Ephrath without the gospel of God equals just an ash heap. But Ephrath with the gospel of God equals a place of fruitfulness. And then, this is why it's Ephrath Bethlehem. It's which aspect of the place, the season, the circumstance do you identify with? Which aspect of what you're going through do you identify more with? The Ephrat or the Bethlehem? It's the same, but it's not the same. See, as a follower of Jesus, you're going through the same circumstance as an unbeliever. It's the same, but it's not the same. Why? Because you got the gospel of God. You got the Father of lights with you. You got access to the promises of God that are yes and amen. You have access to the helper, the precious Holy Spirit, and the ministry sent from on high. So Ephrat is ash heap slash place of fruitfulness. But when it talks about where David is born and when it talks about where this child, this son that God will give, will be born. It says of Ephrat Bethlehem. Do you know what Bethlehem means? Bethlehem means house of bread. Bethlehem is what is referred to as the city of David because it's where he was born. David was born in the house of bread. And of this David who was born... In Bethlehem, the house of bread, Scripture says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. Watch this. But the Lord looks at the heart. God had sent the prophet Samuel to anoint the next king because he had rejected Saul from being prolonged in his kingship over the nation of Israel. And he sends Samuel to the house of Jesse, Jesse the Ephrati, Jesse in the place of the ash heap slash place of fruitfulness. And Samuel begins to look at his sons and he sees some of his sons and says, surely it's this one. Look at his stature. Look, look at how mighty he looks physically. And God speaks to the prophet and says, no, don't look at just the outward appearance. I'm looking at the heart. And the Lord leads him to anoint David. Speaking of David, Scripture says in 1 Samuel 13 and 14, but now your kingdom shall not continue. Talking about Saul. For the Lord has sought for himself, watch this, a man after his own heart. As the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept Saul what the Lord commanded you. David, who is anointed to be king, God says that he looks at the heart and he sees that David had a heart that was after his own heart. David had a heart that was in accordance with the the heart that God had. 
What kind of heart was this? David valued God's presence. David found out that God's presence was also a type of bread. It's what scripture calls the bread of his presence. David was given the task from his father Jesse to watch Jesse's sheep. And David out in those fields learned the value of the bread of God's presence. David out watching the father's sheep as he was alone. And you know, you you can talk to sheep, but they don't really talk back to you in your language. Took the family to uh, a church in the area that does something that actually the church I grew up in did for years called Walk Through Bethlehem. And uh, as we were going through their facility that was decorated like the streets in the city of of Bethlehem and Jerusalem, they had a sheep. And uh, I I came out of the restroom and and, and was catching up to the group and I turned back and that sheep was looking at me and he went, I mean, it was staring right at me like, help me. They had it chained up, you know. I mean, it was trying to talk to me, but it was a different language. David could be out there in those fields watching the sheep, and he could talk to the sheep, but they couldn't talk back to him in the same language. They could just buy. But David learned in those fields where it looked like he was alone, not to be alone, because he learned about the bread of God's presence. There in the field, away from his mother's cooking, he learned how to eat the daily bread of God's presence. He learned the value of the daily presence of God. Jesus of the seed of David would teach his disciples during the day of his ministry to pray to our Heavenly Father, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily awareness of the bread of your presence. See, the thing about presence is you have to be present to understand the value of someone's presence. You can't store up someone's presence for tomorrow. You you can't store up someone's presence from yesterday. Presence is in the now. Just like if you want hot, ready, Donuts, the light's got to be on. Likewise, David knew the value of the bread of God's presence daily. This is why Scripture says he was a man after God's heart. The question then you and I need to ask is what was and what is God's heart? Here it is. You ready? God's heart is a heart to dwell with His people. God's heart is a heart to dwell with His people. And so when God looked to anoint the next king who would replace Saul, He was looking for one who was after His heart. He was looking for one who had a heart For His presence. For His daily presence. In Psalm 132.1, this is what's called a song or a psalm of ascent. They would sing it and rehearse it as they went up into the temple. Why is this important? Because the temple that would be built after David by David's son Solomon represented the bread of God's presence dwelling with his people. And David, because he had a heart for the presence of God, watch this, he didn't just want to encounter God's presence himself. He wanted more people to encounter God's daily presence. 
And so in Psalms 132.1, it rehearses this heart of David. It says, on the way to the temple, Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it in Ephratah. We found it in the fields of the woods. Let us go into his tabernacle. Let us worship at his footstool. What David is saying is that David, eventually he found the Ark of the Covenant. You remember, God instructed a man named Moses who lived long before David to to make a replica of the heavenly pattern on earth, of God's holy dwelling, the place that he dwelled, the throne of God and of his presence. And he made the tabernacle of Moses, the tent of Moses. But during the time of David, the, the covenant, the ark of the covenant that had the Ten Commandments and the rod and the jar of manna, it had been forsaken but because David had a heart for God's presence and had a heart for other people to experience what he learned to experience out there being alone in the fields out there hungry for his mother's cooking learned to eat the bread of God's presence David went and he found the, the ark of the covenant in the field and he set up what's what was called David's tent so that others could seek and eat the bread of the presence of God. David found a way, in fact, here not too long ago, uh, archaeologists in Israel and Judea believed they found where David's tent was set up. See, being from America in the, in the Western world and growing up in Kentucky and now living in Georgia for many years, I don't have really a concept to understand this, but in parts of the world where civilization lived longer as far as building cities and, and you know, the, the Americas, the people that lived before us, they were nomadic for the most part, right? They journeyed based on seasons and indigenous people, but... But people of the east that had cities where they dwelt, what I don't understand, it's hard for me, is how they built cities upon cities over time. And so this, what they believe where David's tent was, it's deep within now the, the city of Bethlehem. It, 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 to us, it's like a cave below a cave. Because they built city on city. I don't get that. I don't understand how you build cities on cities. But, but they did it in Rome. They've done it in, in other places of older civilization. But David found a way to make the daily bread of God's presence available for more people through what was called the tent of David. Then he longed to make this daily bread of God's presence available to more people. He desired to build a temple. But the Lord said, no, no, no. I've given you the plans by my spirit for the temple, but it will be your son Solomon who builds it. Now what am I saying? I'm saying all of this because, listen, this is an important part of the history of God's gospel leading up to the birth of Jesus. Leading up to the reality of what Christmas is. What Christmas is about. David is an important backstory of God's story and God's gospel. David, born in Ephrath, Bethlehem. David, a man after God's heart to dwell with his people. David, who is promised that from his lineage Christ would be born. This brings us back to our main text, Isaiah 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of 
peace. And then Micah 5, 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. See, David was a type. David was an example. David was a foreshadowing of the bread of God's presence being with us. See, listen, Jesus was the true bread from heaven. Jesus was the presence of God dwelling among humanity, dwelling among us. Jesus was the presence of God dwelling in the flesh, dwelling as a human amongst us. In fact, in the Gospel of John, John records Jesus' teaching and saying in John 6.33, He says, For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus is the true bread from heaven. So let me ask you this question again. How do you know when there is not just donuts, but fresh donuts? Let me ask it this way. How do you know when there is not just bread, but fresh bread from heaven? The light is turned on. And this is why in our last text in Matthew 2 and verse 1, we find this. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Watch this. For we have seen his light. We have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. How do you know when fresh bread from heaven has come down? How do you know when fresh bread from heaven is in the house of bread, Bethlehem? You turn the light on. And the Father of lights turned on the light that there was fresh bread in the house of bread called Bethlehem. The Father of light, God Almighty, turned on the light called the Star of David. In the house of bread, letting all humanity and everybody know that fresh bread was in the house of bread. That the fresh move of God was in the house of bread. That now God was amongst us. God was dwelling with us. How do you know when there's fresh donuts? Not just donuts, but fresh donuts. They turn the light on. How do you know when the fresh bread of God's presence is here on earth? You turn the light on. And the Father turned the light on. It's called the Star of David. And the wise men followed the light and came to the house of bread and saw the bread, the fulfillment of the bread of God's presence dwelling amongst us. For God so loved the world that He turned the light on. That fresh bread, the fresh move of God, the fresh covenant was at hand, was among us in the house of bread. In John 7, 42 says, has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem, from the town of house of bread where David was? This is interesting. This is many Jews at the time of Jesus, during the ministry of Jesus. And they got this right. They knew scripture said that Christ would come from the seed of David and therefore he would be born from the same town of David, the city of David, the city of Bethlehem. Many had those two things right, but they got Jesus wrong. How can you get those two things right and get Jesus wrong? Watch this. Because though Jesus was born in the house of bread Bethlehem, he grew up in Nazareth. 
He grew up in Nazareth, but he was born in Bethlehem. Now let me preach to some people for a moment. There are any followers of Jesus here today or streaming where there are people and places getting it wrong about you because of some seasons in your life or maybe some current circumstances in your current season even though you were born from heaven? Is there any followers of Jesus where people are getting things wrong about you even though you're born from heaven, you're a citizen of heaven but they're getting it wrong because of the current circumstances and current season in your life? You've been born in the kingdom of God and yet some circumstances in current seasons don't seem to demonstrate the faithfulness or the favor or the light of God upon your life but 1 John 3 9 says whoever's been born of God that means you or me if we've been born of God we won't continue in sin for his seed remains in us and we cannot continue in sin because we've been born of God there might be some seasons where you got to grow in learning how to live out who God made you inwardly in Christ there might be some growing seasons where you got to learn to live out or live in line with who you are in Christ and yet you're still going to overcome because you've been born of God. As John says in 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. Notice he said overcome them. Sometimes the them are certain seasons and situations. And yet you might have some current seasons and situations that don't seem to reflect the... The fact that you are favored. You're a child of God. You've been born from above. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. That you're an overcomer. And yet you're still in Jesus going to overcome. Don't allow current seasons and circumstances and things that try to label you talk you out of the reality that you're an overcomer born of God and that your current circumstance and season doesn't dictate your tomorrow or your future seasons in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The question for you and I and for this church though, is the light turned on? Is the light turned on? When I thought about how do you know when there's fresh Krispy Kreme that the light's been turned on. When I thought about how do you know when God was fulfilling His prophetic promise that He would give unto us a son, a child would be born and the government of the kingdom of God would be upon His shoulder. That the Father would turn on the light above the house of bread and say fresh bread has come down from heaven. Jesus, the Son, has now been given. When when I thought about that, I couldn't help to think about us as a church, that listen, we can no longer be a new church. We're a church that has broken the second hardest barrier culturally, in Western world of a people growing and following Jesus. 200. We're a group of followers of Jesus. That's what a church is. A group of called out people, of followers of Jesus, who gather locally together to follow Jesus. We're a church that's greater numerically now than 200. And we're a church now that's been in this facility around six years. That we can't be any longer a new church. But though we can't be a new church, we can keep things fresh. See, there are Krispy Kreme buildings that's been around for decades. And though the building can't be new, the donuts can still be made fresh and they can still turn the light on. And when I think of us as a church, though we can no longer be new, we can still turn the light on and keep things fresh. We can still be a place to turn the light on and have fresh encounters with the presence of Almighty God. We can still be a place that experiences one of the 
the core values that God's given us of memorable moments, of encountering the presence and the power of God through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. See, listen to me, church. There is bread and there is fresh bread out of the oven. There's bread, but then there's fresh bread. There's a church gathering, but then there's a church gathering with the fresh encounter in the presence of God. See, we can still have fresh prophetic promises about our future and future seasons. See, listen to me. There's scripture and there's a fresh word in due season. See, there's fresh prophetic promises, but there's also fresh prophetic promises fulfilled. See, there is the encouragement of Scripture, but there's also the fulfillment of Scripture in our life. Did you know that we can still, though we can't be a new church, we can be a church that still has new and fresh, vibrant worship? Did you know that though we can't be a new church, we can still be a church that has fresh encounters with His presence? Did you know that though we can't be a new church, we can still have fresh manifestations of the Holy Spirit? Did you know that there is singing and worshiping, but there's also a worship that's in spirit and in truth? Like the psalmist said, Sing unto the Lord a new song. Turn the light on and sing a fresh song. Turn the light on and sing a fresh song. Did you know that the signs of the Holy Spirit can still be turned on? That we can be a house of bread? That we can be a local church, but a local church with the light turned on? A local church that don't just talk about God, but knows God experientially. A a local church that don't just get encouraged by Scripture, but actually eat the substance and walk in the substance of what Scripture talks about. I'm talking about that we can be not just a house of bread, a house, a dwelling place of God, but we can be a dwelling place of God with the light turned on, with a fresh move of God, with fresh fire in your heart, with fresh hunger and thirst for righteousness, with a fresh love for Jesus. Come on. Did you know that the anointing of God, the anointing means the lighting upon When Jesus, who Acts 10 says was anointed by God, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed and sick, sick of the devil, He was the Father turning the light on wherever Jesus went. That God more than cares, God's got the power to change. See, I got people that care about me in my life, but that don't mean they got the power to change what they care about regarding my life. But when Jesus went about, that was the Father turning on the light. That He doesn't just see and care about what you're going through. He's got the power to change it. He's got the power to heal hearts. He's got the power to take you from the ash heap and to lift you up and to set you in high places in Jesus Christ. That God doesn't just have the power to talk about promises. He's got the hand and power to fulfill the promises that He talks about. What I'm trying to say is that we can still be, though we can't be a new church, we can still be a church that does what Paul says and desire earnestly the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We can still be a church that intentionally turns the light on. When I think about, what about at your home? When I think about you in regards to your neighbors, that you still can intentionally turn the light on. What do you mean? If you now are a follower of Jesus, if you've been reconciled to God, then you're a house of bread. You're a house of Jesus. You're a temple of the Lord. You're a carrier of the bread of His presence. But people don't know that you're a carrier of His presence if you don't turn the light on. If Krispy Kreme didn't have the light on today, they would have missed out on some money. Because I would have said, well, they got donuts, but they ain't got fresh, hot now donuts. And you can be around your neighbors and be in your house, and you can be the house of bread and have the bread of Jesus in you, but they don't know that God's got 
fresh word for them, fresh encouragement for them, fresh care for them if you don't turn the light on. How can you turn the light on? Spend time with Him. Be intentional. Get in the light of Scripture. Get in the light of His presence. Spend time with Him. I'm reminded about in, in the book of Acts when they talk about His disciples. They said they noted how they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. They were intentional. Because they'd been with Jesus, they turned the light on. Think about you at work and with your co-workers. If you're a house of bread, if you're carrying the bread of God, Jesus, then turn the light on. Be intentional. Be intentional to what? Allow them to taste and see that the Lord is good. But for them to taste and see, you've got to be intentional. You've got to turn the light on. You say, what does that look like? Listen, it looks like many ways of how the Lord would lead you. But I know of one general thing Scripture says to all of us regarding this. Paul said in Philippians 2, 14 and 16, do all things without complaining and disputing. One way to turn the light on intentionally amongst co-workers is don't do what all of us as normal humans do. Don't live a life of complaining and murmuring and disputing. Let the only tongue tamer, Jesus, the Holy Spirit in you, tame that tongue. Let the taste of His presence within you stay on your tongue. Of you remember His goodness. Remember how He saved you, how He's with you. And just not complaining and murmuring like others. That alone is a way to turn the light on and to stand out. And that's what he goes on to say. He says that you may become blameless and harmless without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Watch this. Whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life. Think about that. You got to be intentional. But you turn the light on, then you'll shine. You'll shine in the workplace. You'll shine right in the midst of that context. Come on, Jesse. I think about what about at your heart? What about in your heart? If God ultimately looks first at our heart, He looks at our inward life. Did you know you can be intentional to turn the light on in your heart? That maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching or streaming. Have you ever surrendered to Jesus being the Lord in light of your salvation? Have you ever intentionally repented, changed your mind about that you could ever be good enough to earn your way into a right relationship with your Creator? That you could ever be good enough on your own to earn eternal life? To change your mind and the preference of your will to not live for temporary pleasures and selfishness and to think that you are your own God or be your own king and you repent and you place trust in Jesus to be the light of your salvation, to be the only one who can take you by hand and lead you into the Father's presence, fully cleanse you, fully forgive you, fully make you have a new heart. See, you have to be intentional to turn the light on. It doesn't matter if you're born in a Christian family. It don't matter if you grew up in a Christian church. It doesn't matter if you say you're Christian. We ain't just automatically reconciled to God. We ain't just automatically returned to God. We have to be intentional and turn the light on and confess Jesus as Lord and the light of our salvation. How do you know when there is not just bread, but fresh bread from heaven? The light is turned on. How are people going to know that as a church, you as an individual, that we're not just followers of Jesus, that you're not just a follower of Jesus, but you're a follower of Jesus with fresh encounters with the daily bread of His presence? How are they going to know that you've got to turn the light on? You've got to be intentional to draw near to God. He says He'll draw near to you. You've got to be intentional to th- thirst and hunger for the bread of His presence. And God promises, says, I'll fill you. I'll fill you with fresh light. I'll fill you with a fresh anointing. I'll fill you with a fresh empowerment. In that season, as we reflect in the Christmas season, when we look back, prophetic fulfillment, we see the Father of lights. He turned on the light. In the heavenlies, He turned down on the light 
in the universe saying that the fresh bread of His presence has now been born. And unto us a Son is given. He's the bread that would be broken, that would willingly lay down His life for all nations, all tongues and all tribes, all colors and all people. The Father's turned on the light, said fresh bread, my fresh presence has come and it's in Jesus. There's no other name, there's no other way to the heavenly Father. There's no other entrance into the kingdom of God. There's no other way out of your sin and selfishness, shame and guilt than Jesus, the bread of God's presence. It's my prayer, not just for you individually, but for us corporately as a people, that we just wouldn't be a church, we wouldn't just be a dwelling place of God, but we would be a church and a dwelling place of God that intentionally would turn the light on that there would be a fresh move of God in our heart, that there would be fresh praise in our mouth, that there would be a fresh working and wind of the Holy Spirit in our midst, that as we go out, we would shine as light in the midst of a perverse and crooked generation. Oh, maybe you're here today. Come on, band. Do you say, oh God, I want to turn the light on. As a house of bread, I want the light turned on, the, the bread of His presence that people would know I've been with Jesus, that people would know that I've not just encountered Jesus in the past, but I'm encountering the bread of His presence in the present, that I'm not just ate of Him 10 years ago, 15 years ago, a month ago, but I'm still tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And because the Lord is good, I'm going to let the good praises overflow out of my heart unto Him. I'm going to stop the complaining and the murmuring and I'm going to delight myself in the Lord that this is going to be a place that says the light is on, there's fresh bread here are you hungry? Come and taste and see Pastor Chad can't do it Pastor Craig can't do it no one else can do it but Jesus the bread from the Father from heaven He still saves, He still delivers He still restores He still takes people from the ashes and sets them on the high places He still takes people that were born born in poverty and begins to propel them that he would allow them to be a blessing he takes people born in poor mentalities and gives them mentalities of Christ victorious mentalities overcoming mentalities that out of Ephrat of ash heap he can turn it into a place of fruitfulness oh hallelujah you have now access to the promises of God you have now access to the presence of God allow that circumstance and see and to no longer stay an ash heap. Let God raise up out of it blessing. Let God raise up out of it promises of fulfillment, fruitfulness for His glory and for His namesake. We serve an able God. Turn the light on. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.